David is really thinking about his life. He's being introspective. Have you ever just sat alone and thought about who you are and why you're here? And after David began to think about it, he began to write this in verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. He's looking at himself and he's saying, God, you created this. Verse 14, I praise you. This is not just some admiration. But David is saying, no, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift my heart. I'm going to let the earth know that you are the God that made me. For I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He's saying, the more I look at myself, the more I'm convinced of your incredible power, of your creative power. It it goes beyond just my mind, but to my soul. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. My friend, when we all began, we were hidden from the eyes of humanity. Deep within your mother's womb, and yet the Lord's eyes were upon you. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The Lord was weaving you and knitting you together. The finest embroidery there ever was as He took and weaved together your muscles and your bones and your and your veins and your arteries and your nerves and your fabrics and your every part of your body as he weaved them together in the midst of that womb. Verse 16. Your eyes saw the unformed substance. You weren't quite ready to be born yet. But the expression or the idea that David is saying is this. Before you shape me and finish the form that you are creating me in, you knew what I would be. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that formed me, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, I haven't lived my life yet. I didn't even walk in the day one of my existence. And yet God is my architect. God is the draftsman of my life. God created me on a, like a sketch, a drawing, a plan. He knew what I would be. He determined the purposes of my life. He called me. He gave me reason for, for being born. He has a divine calling and a divine gifting and divine abilities. There is a reason why you're alive in this generation in such a time as this. I want you to know, my friend, your life is no accident. He fashioned you. He formed you. He created you. He's given you purpose. He put you in his book. He knows you by name. And he's put everything within you. My friend, I want to preach you this morning living your life with purpose. Living your life with with purpose. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask you in the name of the Lord. I lose your authority, your anointing, and your power. 
Let your hand reach down and touch every mind and heart, every soul and every destiny. I lose, oh God, revelation. Let everyone that's in this building understand that you molded them and shaped them for purpose with a divine calling upon them. Let them connect to that, oh God, and let them see. I bind the devil that would blind the mind and the heart from this truth and this reality. And I lose revelation of the purposes of God in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to reach one more scripture, but I know you've been standing for so long, I wanted to be merciful. In John 10 and 10, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because it's so real and it's so um, practical. The thief cometh not, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm going to tell you, my friends, All of the darkness in this world comes from the thief. All of the things that you hoped for then were, it seemed as if your hope was broken and vanished away and you were just left there in the darkness disappointed. It all comes from the thief. The purpose that God has for you, the calling, the destiny, the anointing. Make no mistake, my friend, the devil every single day He comes into your life and he's trying to steal and kill and destroy the life that Jesus Christ desires for you to have. He wants to put people in your life to say the thing that will just ruin your day. He wants to put that person in traffic to start it off just wrong. He wants your phone to ring with that message that would just destroy that joy that you once had before your phone rang. You see, the devil's always about one thing. He wants to destroy the life of God. And when he looks at you, he sees a reflection of God. And so he comes. He thought he could rise up and take the place of God. Read Isaiah. He wanted to exalt himself above the stars, above the mountains of God. But he found out real quick, and he was cast down like lightning. So now he comes to steal the life that's in you. Why do you think it's so hard to live for God? Why do you think it's such a struggle to take what you got at the altar and live with it and walk in it? Because the thief's always there. He's coming to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus gives a a contrast there. That's what the devil does. That's what the thief does. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look at your neighbor and say, more abundantly. Not just abundantly, but more abundantly. You know what this is? this is? This is overflowing. This is like a cup that runneth over. This is more than you can contain. This is more than you can have. It's, it's, it's plentiful. It fills more than you need. It overflows. And God is saying, I know what I put in you. I know what I created you to be. I know what the purpose of life is supposed to be. And also, I know what the devil has done. But make no mistake about it. I've come to restore everything the thief has tried to steal. I've come to restore everything the devil's tried to kill. I've come to restore everything that's been destroyed, every disappointment, and I'm going to give you more than enough. I'm going to give you abundant life. That's what God says. And so he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
In other words, to achieve this, I'm going to give the greatest sacrifice. I want you to know sin had dominance upon this earth until Christ came and went to that cross. And Christ paid the ultimate price. He bore your sins and He bore my sins. And when it was all said and done, He said, it is finished. You know, I love that statement that He makes to Martha standing there at Lazarus' tomb. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Some of you are walking dead people this morning. You barely made it to the house of God. The devil's been bombarding your mind and your spirit, your body, your heart. And you feel like you've been under just a, a weight uh, that's going to destroy you and crush you. But the Lord said, uh, yeah, there's good news. I've come to give you life. I've come to restore some things in you. I am that resurrection and life. All you got to do is come to me, believe in me, and I will do it because I am the good shepherd. Now, it's obvious if you are alive in any fashion in this earth and in your right mind, the culture that you live in, that you walk in every single day, is tainted by a whole lot of darkness. It's tainted with a lack of purpose. Everything's the now, the temporal, the today. No eternal value. It's tainted by hopelessness. It's... Shocking, if you would look at the suicide statistics, they're staggering. If there was no God, as the culture tells us there isn't, in fact, the culture demands that we accept the fact there is no God, then the truth is there is no purpose for your life. There would be no purpose for you to live any way or another. In fact, they tell us this, because the population growth is nearly... 8 billion by now, and it keeps growing. Most of the experts are now saying that the earth is becoming overpopulated, and this is a crisis. So now our lives can be viewed as not only not having a purpose, but just the very fact of your existence on this earth causing overpopulation. Your life is causing damage to the earth cycle. I mean, it's no wonder if you really think about the culture and the messaging. And, you know, back in the day, it used to be the city walls. They would stand on the top of them and they would proclaim certain things down to the generation. But now it's social media and it's the news feed. And they're screaming these things into our culture. And you are a byproduct product of them in one sense because you hear these things they get in your mind and if you're not careful they'll get in your heart it's no wonder half the population is on some sort of drug illegal and legal and it's no wonder that more and more they're they're passing laws and legalizing harder and harder drugs because people need these substances just to cope with the reality in their mind that their life has no purpose, that it's meaningless, that they're just wandering around zombies in a sense, just uh, uh, no eternal existence. They're just going to live for a, a small amount of years and then it's all over. You see, my friend Genesis 1 and 1 makes it very clear. In the beginning, it was God that created heavens and the earth. It is God that created the heavens and the earth. Might, this might be elementary, but my friend, this is so profound. 
Make it up in your mind that God created you. And God created this earth. When Israel was floundering and they were messing around with all their false gods and false ideologies and false mindsets, it was the prophet that rose up and declared to Israel, you must remember your God, your creator. He alone created the heavens and the earth. If only our generation get a hold of this revelation. If only our generation could come to the realization that there's only one God and there's only one throne. And it's that one God, Jesus Christ, who sits on the throne of heaven. It was his wisdom and his power and his declaration that created all things. By his counsel and his understanding did the heavens stretch forth. Oh, I want you to understand he declared the heavens and he declared the earth by his master plan. It wasn't some accidental big bang that accidentally created the earth and just accidentally this earth had perfect conditions that were needed for life. The earth wasn't accidentally a perfect distance from the sun and it didn't accidentally have the right atmosphere that could produce and sustain life. Upon this empty earth, there wasn't just an accident of the right mixture of gases mixed with static electricity that just accidentally created the first single cell. Put up that picture. You won't see this picture in church much. <laughs> My friends, we laugh. But this is what your world believes. This is what creates the mindsets of the generation you live in. You look at the people that you follow online, maybe on Twitter, maybe on YouTube. All of the stuff they spew comes from the foundation of this behind me on the board. It just happened. It was just happenstance. It was just the right atmosphere in the right moment, the right static electricity and all of a sudden the first single cell appeared and then it began to multiply and it became increasingly more complex and it went from a single cell structure to a multi-cell structure and before you know it it was amphibians and then reptiles and then mammals and then monkeys and then apes and then a lower form of humanity and finally the homo sapiens species which is you and I and none of it was planned it was just all accidents without any purpose without any declaration there was no author of life it was just all happenstance it was just a bunch of coincidences accidentally happening one right after another occurring one after another and so therefore life has no purpose and you have no purpose you see our society has declared that there is no grand plan for your life there was no intrinsic purpose. And so this is how people live, and this is how our culture operates. This is what the culture believes. We could find it humorous being Christians and understanding the power of the truth of God's creative power and, and creative reality, but this is the culture you live in, and this is the framework by which everything, all foundation of thought is built upon, and if we're not careful, we allow these things to get inside of us, and when we allow that door of reason to get in us, you know what you get? 
You get what the thief wants to give you all along. Destruction and brokenness to kill, steal, and destroy. Because with this belief comes no hope, no purpose, no reason for existence. There is no purpose for anything you do. You combine that with the sinful nature of humanity. And you put that mindset in the sinful world. And you know, I mean, it's no wonder people are checking out. It's no wonder people are turning to drugs and alcohol. Just give me something that gets me out of my mind. It's no wonder that people are turning to pleasure. Oh, just something for the moment. Something to make me happy. Sexual immoralities and entertainment of every kind of perverse manner. And and selfishness and greed. If I can just get as much as I can acquire, I'll be happy. And my friend, even Paul states this in 1 Corinthians. The motto is this. Eat, drink, and be happy. For tomorrow, well, we just die. You know, it was, it was the prophets in, in the land of Israel when their culture had taken on much of the mindset of the nations around them. They were worshiping the other gods. They were following the same lifestyles. Their culture was becoming very pagan, what they were called out of. And I, I see a very similar uh, situation in our culture today because we're a post-Christian generation. We once were a Christian nation in the sense that we had that as our moral fabric and it was taught in our institutions. It was it came from the leadership down. Even they chiseled the Ten Commandments on the walls of the Supreme Court. There was a it was integrated in the fabric of society, but we're all past that now. Uh, it's it's cast aside and and we we went beyond and we now started to open the door to paganism and 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 you know mysticism and cultures from the east that once faded away from this society and we're going down paths you see it in lifestyles you see it in beliefs you see it and so there's a very similar uh experience in israel uh before they went into isolation into babylon and today and both jeremiah and isaiah were prophesying and they both said similar things but they said this i'm going to paraphrase i might read one scripture that i didn't put on the board But it's in Isaiah 31 and 1. It says, Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help and stay in horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. And so he's saying this. They see the desperate situation that they're in. They see the trouble. They see the situation. And so they're looking down at Egypt, which God brought them out of many generations early, and they're saying, you know what, Egypt has a mighty military. They have, they have horses and they have chariots, and, 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 and look how strong they are. Let's just make an alliance to Egypt, and we're going to be all right. But Isaiah says this, but they look not on the Holy One of Israel, nor that they seek the Lord. In prayer, the Lord brought this to my mind this morning. How many of us check out and we go back to Egypt, the very place that God first found us at? I'm going to go back to the thing God saved me from. I watch people. I hear their testimony. Transformed and, and how God called them out. I think of, of one man that God literally spoke a, ter- a tremendous vision of what God showed him when he was standing in his old lifestyle, calling him out of darkness. And yet when trouble pursues and things become unsettling, they go right back to the very place God saved them from. 
right back to that same exact environment, right back to that very same lifestyle, right back to the same place that God once called them out. And this is what people do. They go, well, I'm just going to go to Egypt. In Egypt, there was, well, they said, well, there's cucumbers in Egypt and there's watermelons in Egypt. We wouldn't say it that way. We would say, I had friends in Egypt. I, I lived a, a lifestyle where I had fun in Egypt. I didn't have so much spiritual pressures in Egypt. And so people then, they, they binge on Netflix and, and you know, Prime and they, they veg out on social media and they keep up with all the entertainment and all the entertainment stars and their lifestyles and they allow all these things into what are they doing? They're vegging out in Egypt. They're trusting in Egypt. My friend, if you're spending more time on your social feeds with the people of the world than you are with Christ, then you have run back to Egypt. You're trusting in Egypt. But God is saying, come back to me. Don't take those human philosophies and those human ideas and those human theories because they all come um, from a foundation that is on sinking sand. It will not stand the test of time. It's human reasoning. And the scripture declares this in 1 Corinthians 3 and 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. It's foolishness. For it is written, he that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. In other words, the Lord is saying their wisdom is nothing more than deception or trickery. Craftiness. God says it's all foolishness. It won't, it won't, it won't sustain the test of time. It never does. And you know what I see? I see in, in Pentecostal, and if you're not Pentecostal, I welcome you this morning and you can ignore the statement. But I see this in the Pentecostal movement. That we're kind of got to, there's a fork in the road and people have to decide which way they're going to go. We're either going to go back to our roots where it's brush harbors and it was not fancy buildings and it was no glory to the flesh. It was just, it was just raw Holy Ghost power and fire. No big eye, little use. It was all just on their face seeking God. Getting back to the place where God first called us. Getting back to those upper room experiences where it was like fire that falls from heaven. It's a rushing mighty wind where the supernatural flows and there's real transformation. Or I see this other road. It's a little darker, my friends, and it leads. Well, it's Israelites in all of their pomp marching back to Egypt. Got the rules, the regulations. On paper, we're living a moral standard. But in our heart, we're going after the things of the world. My friend, don't fall into that deception. I want you to know God is real. Put that picture up. God created the universe. By design, He created life. He is the great architect and the great designer. He is the great engineer. He is the author of life and he's the author of your life. He molded you and he fashioned you. He knows how many numbers of hair are on your head. He formed your inward parts. He knitted you together. You are 
fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows everything about you. He knows your past and your present and your future. He knows your gift and your talents. He knows your fears and your disappointments. My friend, while you're in the womb, before he formed you, he knew you. He consecrated you. He anointed you. He called you with a purpose. You have a divine calling. You have a divine purpose. I want you to know his hand is on your life. He's calling you by name and saying, come out and follow me. I think it would be hard to be a young person in this generation. I thought it was hard in my generation, but I look at this generation, I can see how how much darker it is, how evil has magnified so much more, how the voices are so much louder and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. And as a young person, you're, you literally are being tugged by the world, tugged by God. You're standing in the middle and sometimes I'm sure you feel like you're being torn apart. But my friend... You can only be torn apart when you haven't made a decision which way to go. In John 10 and 3, it says this, To him the porter opened, and the Lord spoke to me. This simply means the gatekeeper opened the door. I felt in the spirit the Lord said the door is open. God's opened the door to heaven this morning. And notice, the sheep hear his voice. We hear the voice of the Lord. He's calling from heaven. Is that you, God? How many testimonies have I heard people sitting with maybe an alcohol beverage in their hand at a party? And yet the voice of God breaks forth into them and they begin to speak. God begins to speak to them. Or maybe they're sitting at a party and they got a... Uh, you know, some kind of illegal drug rolled up in their fingers or maybe a, a needle stuck in their vein. And yet, in the middle of the darkness, it's the voice of God that thunders through and speaks, I created you more than for this. It's in the darkest moment, in the, in, the, in the greatest pit that you've ever been in. The voice of God will break forth and he'll begin to call you. And he'll say, come on, follow me, come on. And you hear his voice and they'll hear what it says. He called his own sheep. He called his own sheep by name. He knows your name. He knows everything about you, my friends. Follow me. And he leadeth them out. He leadeth you out of the darkness. He leadeth you out of the brokenness. He leadeth you out of the hurt and the scars. He leads you out of depression. He leads you out of the suicidal thoughts. He leads you out of the purposeless life. He leads you out of the hopeless situation. He leads you out of the broken state of affairs. He leads you out of everything that's bound you up and kept you in prison. He leads you out and says, follow me. And my friend, God has a life for you that you cannot admit, imagine. He's got a life for you that you haven't envisioned. You can't even conceive of it. It's an abundant life. It's a life of joy and peace and harmony. It's a life of empowerment. It's a life of a oneness with your maker, your creator. His name is Jesus, the one who designed you on purpose. He put the DNA structure within you, and he made you just how he wanted you. And when he looks at you, he sees a reflection of himself. He's calling you this morning, oh, follow me. Make up your mind. Don't sit, there. Don't sit there so long that you convince yourself to stay in the pit of your own mess. 
Some people are comfortable in their situations. Oh, they want pity and they want empathy, but they don't want change. God wants to change you. He's not here just to give you, oh, he has compassion, but he's not here to leave you in your victimhood mentality. He wants you to understand, while yes, you might be in a bad situation and other people might have done it to you, but you yourself got blood on your own hands and you're a rotten sinner. And my friend, every single one of us deserves hell. Every single person. And until you understand that, you'll never truly understand the great revelation of what he did for you at Calvary. When he went to the cross instead, when you deserve punishment, he took punishment. When you deserve judgment, he took judgment. So while you might be in a bad situation, God doesn't want you to get comfortable there. He's saying, I'm calling you by name, but I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to lead you up. I'm going to lead you to a higher place. I'm going to take you to a higher form of living because I put purpose in you. I've called you, and I know who you are. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this in this house this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. When Jesus came to the earth in a physical form, he, he found a world that was so lost, so lost. And he even came to his own people, the nation of Israel. They had all the rules. They even tithed the mints. I mean, I've not seen anyone go into their mint cabinet and dump a little bit of spice and bring it to the house of God and dump it in the offering. They had the rules down. They had the regulations. They knew exactly how they were to speak, when to raise their hands, when to say amen, when to close their eyes, when to do the things that godly people are supposed to do. And yet they were so lost because their hearts were so far from him. He said, you honor me with your heart, with your lips, but your hearts are so far from me. So far from the life that God created for them to have. They were so disconnected from their calling. They were, they were lost in their stubbornness and their pride. They were lost in their, uh, some of them in their self-righteousness, others deep in sin. But all of them were disconnected from that abundant life that Christ had formed them to be that larger purpose. My friend, your purpose is much greater than living a life for yourself. He didn't make you just to please self. He made you to be connected to an eternal purpose. And so he's standing over Jerusalem and he's contemplating this, and not only this generation, but I'm sure all the generations that led to this and all the people and all the individuals that made up these generations. And he just... This comes forth from his heart. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. You can feel the weight of Christ as he's mourning this, as he laments this, as he's so disappointed. If only you would have known what I wanted to do. But instead, you killed the prophets and you stoned them that were sins. Oh, I wanted to gather you up. I wanted to bring you into my arms. I wanted to call you by name. I wanted to lead you out. I had such a heart for you that you could be with me. Just like a, a chicken were gather her hens. I wanted, I wanted to gather you before me. But you, you would not. You would not. 
You know, we live in a total different generation than they lived. But there's something that's very similar, and it's this. And you must be aware of this. The people in that generation followed the voices of their generation instead of the voices of God. And the people in our generation and many in the church are following the voices in our generation instead of the voice of God. You see, the prophet Isaiah declared Jesus as being despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so this man of sorrows, this one that was rejected by all, despised and rejected this man that was also the creator and the author of life he was lamenting over what could have been what should have been the purpose of why he created and yet all of that potential and purpose was lost because they would not how many come to the the altar and they cry but they won't be changed Esau wept, but he didn't find repentance because his heart was only about himself. You see, it's godly sorrow that brings you repentance. If you just come to an altar and cry and weep because you feel sorry for yourself, it accomplishes not very much. It's the repentance, it's the turning away, it's the turning towards God. It's understanding that we have been rebellious, we have pushed away the hand of God, and we are responsible. And while, yes, other people have done things to us, we are responsible whether we're going to hold that bitterness or we're going to forgive. You see, my friend, the Lord is saying this. I have created you for so much more than you understand. I have put so much giftings in you and life in you and abundant life. But all of this stuff of life that you've allowed in you, it's, it's keeping you from the abundant life. It's not the devil. It's you. It's me. It's sin. It's the heart. You would not... You would not. And instead of getting the abundant life, they put him on the cross. You see, the life of purpose could have been realized. Jerusalem was called to be the city on the hill. They were called to be a light into the world. They were called to be a people set apart, separated unto God. They were literally called to be a nation of priests. What they could have been. What God desired for them, but they would not. Why? Because they looked around at the nations at Egypt, at the world, and they said, I would rather be like something else around me than what God's called me to be. And it always ends up like this. Just living for the moment. You remember when it was so exciting when the iPhone 4 came out? You guys remember that? There was lines around the block. People camped out the night before at the iPhone store, at Apple store, just to get in. My friend, who's got an iPhone 4 today? Does that even work? You know why? Because the world's stuff's only for the moment. It doesn't last. It's not enduring. And you're always going to need the new, or you can't be happy if you're connected to the things of the world. 
And this is the way the world lives. It's only for the moment. It's for the now. It's for what makes you happy now. What do you feel like now? And I'm going to tell you, my friend, this is what happens in the culture. And it robs that mindset and that attitude and that living. It robs you from the eternal blessings that God has for your life. You see, Jesus knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly the pain that you've walked in. He knows every hurt, my friend. He knows what life has done to you. He knows what the sinful world and the storms of life, the unkind and the cruel world, the, the way it's beat down on some of you. He sees how far sin has taken you. He knows the addictions that have got a hold of you. He sees the lifestyles that have come and caused you to be in prison to them. He sees how you trapped. You're trapped on the inside. You have no idea how to get out you're imprisoned in all of this pain and brokenness and you have no idea what to do he knows it he knows it all he knows everything you hold within he knows every physical ailment you've got that keeps you bound keeps you from living life he knows the relationship scars the broken marriages that cut so deep the uncaring parents that should have loved you, but they didn't. Not the way parents should have. He knows the friends that have betrayed you. He knows that should have stood at your side instead of stabbed you in the back. He knows the adult children that have left the nest and they just seemingly abandoned you, left you alone. He knows the pain, my friend. He knows the identity crisis that some of you face. Trying to figure out who you are and why you're here. It's the point of my life anyway. He knows the suicidal thoughts that you secretly hold when you're all alone by yourself. No one cares about you. It would be better if I was just not around. My friend, Jesus knows every hurt. And he knows every scar. But he told me to tell you that he made you more than, he's made you for more than this. He's made you for more than the pain. He's made you for more than the scars. He made you for more than the hurt yesterdays. And all the things that have kept you trapped. He's calling you afresh. He's calling you by name this morning. Oh, can you hear him? You hear that voice from heaven? My friend, if you could see him this morning, I promise you. It's an arm, the hand. It's reaching down from heaven. If you look closely enough, there's a nail scar right there. Where the nails went through the flesh. First the veins and crushed the bones as it went into that wooden cross. You see, he knows what it he knows what pain feels like as well. Matthew eleven and twenty eight. He says, "Come to me. Come, O ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find." Rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You ever feel like the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Have you ever been in a situation where maybe you're there right now? God, where have you been? Where are you? Where are you, God? Why am I going through this right now? Why does life have to be so difficult? Why does everything have to be so hard, Jonathan? Why is the pain so deep? As the musicians come, I'm going to close with this in Isaiah 40 and 26. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I know that's kind of a looser translation, but I want you to get the understanding of this. Look up to heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another. And he calls the stars by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you, how can you say that God ignores your, your, your rights or the justice or the things you believe should be happening? Have you never heard? Have you never understand? The Lord is an everlasting God. The creator of all the earth. He never grows weary or weak. No man can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youth will become weak and tired and young men will fail with exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord. You feel weak this morning? Trust. He's saying even the young men. Who's a young man? Ethan, come up here. Look at this young man, strong. I bet you most people my age can't keep up with Ethan. I bet if we raced, he'd outrun me. I bet he needs less sleep. And he just goes and goes and goes. But he's saying this. There's going to be a world or a time or an atmosphere that's so dark that even the young men will grow weary and faint. But those who trust in the Lord. Don't go to Egypt, my friend. Don't go to the entertainment. Don't go to the things that are going to pleasure you for the moment. Don't turn to sin. Don't turn to the echo chamber of, this, of social media in this world. But those who trust in the Lord. Oh, you're going to find new strength. He said, they will soar high on wings like eagles. He's going to take you to higher heights. They will run. They will not grow weary. They will walk.
and not faint. I got a lot more to say, but I want you to stand. I feel the Holy Ghost. My friend, there's healing in this house this morning. There's healing in this house. Before we turn to prayer, I want to tell you something. Can you feel that? That surge. I want to tell you two things. Number one, I want to reaffirm this. God knows exactly where you're at, what you've been facing. He knows your troubles. He knows your hurts. He knows your emotional chaos. He knows how you've been doing your best to hold it all together. He knows where you're at. And He hasn't forsaken you. The second thing the Lord told me is He puts life within His creative structures. So He created the trees and He said the trees are going to be got trees just like the trees. In other words, He created plants and the plants are going to create plants just like them. He's going to He's going to create animals, the fish and the sea and the birds. And he, and he, so he put the potential of life within them. And he said life is only going to be got life. In other words, not only is there going to be that I'm going to create life, but I'm going to create life to such, the ma- such manner that that life can create new life just like it. And you, when you really think about how powerful that is, it's so true. And so he put life within all of his creation and especially within the human um, dynamic my friend there's life in you I just prayed for a little infant baby Tori's baby I don't know sorry I forget the, the baby's name it's so tiny and I was thinking God your innocence your beauty so pure this is how all of humanity begins. And you know, there's life in that body. Everything God created for this, this tiny little infant to become is already there. Have you ever cut yourself? Have you ever go to, maybe it's just a minor cut. I'm not rambling, I'm going somewhere with all of this. You cut yourself, what happens? You put a band-aid on it, Why? Because you know, if it's a small enough cut, that the body will heal itself underneath that band-aid. You go to a doctor. You know the doctor? You can talk to we got some nurses in this room. They can only do whatever they do because the body heals itself. If the body didn't heal itself, the doctors could do, any, do nothing. They only do operations to help the body heal and operate the way it's supposed to function and operate. And so there's life in the body. Christ said, I've come to give life and I've come to give it more abundantly. But he also said, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. My friend, the devil's come to kill and steal and destroy. And so this is what God is saying. I'm going to put life in the church. He's going to destroy everything. that The church is going to destroy everything that the devil's trying to do. The devil's trying to destroy and hurt and break and kill. But he said, I'm going to put life. And so the Holy Ghost was poured out on the church. 
and you are the church because the church is people. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's lives. It's the broken souls that once were bound to sin but now has been set free. And he said, I'm putting healing virtue in the church. I'm going to put healing. I'm going to put deliverance. I'm going to put salvation. I'm going to put whatever you need. If you're outside of God, the church has the life to give you what you need. And the Lord told me to tell you this. Many of you have come to this church, barely made it. You, 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 you almost found yourself outside of church, living a life in the world. But God has made this church a house of healing. This assembly, this, 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 this group of fellowship. He's saying, I made this church a healing church. And he has brought you here in your state, in your brokenness, in your pain, in all of the things that you're facing to heal the wounds and the brokenness and the dysfunction and anything that's hindering you from living the life of purpose. God told me to tell you that there's life in the church and the life wants to, wants to flow down into your life, into your family, into your marriage, into your kids, into your situations and do what God promised he said he would do The worst thing I could ever do if I cut my finger is just cut that finger off and throw it in the field somewhere. It will never heal. And I've watched people when they need the church the most spiritually cut themselves off and cast themselves into a field. My friend, that doesn't work. It only solidifies the brokenness you've already in. You want healing? You got to connect yourself in the vine and the branches. You got to be connected to the to the church as the Holy Ghost flows from heaven to earth. This is what God created. I'm going to build a church, my friend. You're going through you're going through hell on earth, and you need to get a hold of the church. Because the gates of hell will not prevail in your life if you get a hold of what the church has for you. you got to get a hold of what the church was built upon. Prayer and connection to God and Holy Ghost power and anointing. I'm going to tell you, the church is God's gift to you. The church is God's gift to us. The church is what Christ bled and died for. The church is what changes lives. The church is where the Spirit of God operates and flows. You better connect to the church and connect to your Savior Christ. I only say this because I feel the Lord told me to. Now I know there's people that are hurt here. and I've had you standing for a while now. If you're hurting, if you've got chaos in your life, if you've got pain, if you've got scars, if you've got physical sickness, the Lord told me there's going to be healing in this house this morning. And I believe God. And I feel it.
I want our ministry team to come. I don't do this a lot. But I want you to come. And I want every single one of you to put some oil on your hands. And I want everyone in this room to close their eyes. And if you have a need this morning of healing, if you need God to do something, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental or spiritual, with every eye shut, I just want you to raise a hand into the air. And these ministers are going to come pray for you this morning. Masikaya. And God is going to do the work. Minister team, I loose you in Jesus' name. Go forth. Keep your hand raised right now. Keep your hand raised. There's a supernatural hand of God moving right now. I feel the Shekinah glory of God begin to flow. I feel the Holy Ghost begin to move. Oh, keep your hands raised. There's going to be miracles, signs, and wonders right now. There's going to be the supernatural. I release in the name of the Lord. I release the anointing of God. I release the power of the Holy Ghost. I release miracles, signs, and wonders. Go forth in this house. House, never to be the same again. Makoyata yaki toro mama siko toro mama sa. Oh, that's right. Even when I'm discouraged, I'll remind my soul of all you've done. Won't be distracted. Trust the one who is greater than his soul. I will trust the one who is greater than the
Oh! 